Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. This is Dorothy Polarski and Father Greg Merkley uh, welcoming you all. Yay, welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us today on Midday Moms. Uh, some of you, this might be the very first time. And if it's your first time, a big, big warm welcome. Um, if you could say hello to us in the chat box. It's always exciting seeing where who, who's there, you know, so if you're from, uh, you know, R Ramona from Rwanda, say hi, I'm Ramona. Or if you're, you know, Sandy from Saskatchewan, just in the chat box, we encourage you to um, say hello to us. Hello, Liz from St. Dominic's Parish. Um, Liz is a talented artist and she's going to be teaching us this Saturday, and we'll be painting an ornament at the live Advent retreat, which is sold out, by the way. So uh, we're excited to, to have her here and see you all here. I'm going to just take a few minutes to show a short video that talks a little bit about our ministry. We're faith partners with the Archdiocese of Toronto. We work with several other dioceses, the Diocese of Hamilton, St. Catharines, um, Calgary. We, we're on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we do so by helping moms, helping parishes start Catholic moms groups. So I'm going to show you a short ministry video. A few more hellos here. Uh, hello from Woodstock. Hello, Rishma and Claude from Dubai. I keep on hoping that Claude will start a mom's group there. She's originally from Toronto. So it's good to see you week after week. And uh, Tony from, I always have a hard time saying Stouffville. I always want to say Stouffville. <laughs> um, anyway, so a, a big warm, oh, Lucy from Oakville. Um, and another Lucy now from Mississauga. So a big war warm welcome to you all. So if you're looking for information about our ministry, once we're done this um, episode of Midday Moms, all you have to do is Google three words, Catholic Moms Group. Um, being a member of a Catholic Moms Group and running you know, it's just been a game changer for me because you meet women cut of a different cloth. You know, you meet women that um, love you, pray for you, cook for you when you're in need. Um, you know, they're committed to your holiness. So it's just been a real game changer in my life, been so enriched. And my faith has grown by leaps and bounds. Just meeting women who are incredibly holier than I am and encourage me, um, you know, to keep on striving. Anyway, let me just show you the video. So again, Google three words, Catholic moms group, and we can help you start a Catholic moms group. We can help you start one of three types, um, a group just for moms, uh, mothers and tots, or virtual meetups such as this. And again, um, our ministry video. Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers. We are social beings made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, 
made by a loving God to know him and love him and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending Mass could not name the moms sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture. Your parish needs you to bring these moms together. Hi, my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? A group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mothers group, it's not rocket science, but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times sure does help. The Catholic Moms Group membership site is an online community that offers training, resources, and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently. We're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a Catholic Moms Group at your parish. All of our materials are 100% Catholic. We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mothers groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mothers group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mothers group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mothers group at your parish. Join us today. So if, you know, ever in your mind's eye or you feel a little tug in your heart that you'd like to start a Catholic moms group, you know, send me an email. It's, you know, dorothy.polarski at catholicmomsgroup.com. I know that moms in today's day and age are extremely busy, and that's why we've created absolutely everything and anything you'd need in starting and launching a Catholic moms group. We wanna take the work out of it for you so you can focus on actually starting and running a group. Um, launching this ministry and you know having it move forward and chug, chug, chug along has involved the help of many, many souls, um, particularly Father Greg Merkley, who you know, time after time says yes when I ask him to join us on Midday Moms. I'm very, very grateful 
for his kindness and his um, generosity with our ministry. He is a diocesan priest of the Diocese of Hamilton, and he is an enthusiastic revert to Catholicism with a passion for evangelization, catechesis, and Catholic formation. He loves learning about all things Catholic, and he treasures the riches of our tradition, sharing them with all he meets. He is the associate pastor at St. Margaret Mary in Hamilton. With a big, big, big warm welcome. I want you all to applause at home. <laughs> a welcoming Father Merkley. And uh, he's, you know, speaking on a remarkable topic, the, the nativity and incarnation. I think very often as families, we get caught up in the tinsel. And so we're looking forward to shifting our attention away a little bit from the tinsel and the shopping and the <laughs> trees and Christmas trees and so on, and just digging a little bit deeper, uh, digging a little bit deeper. So welcome, Father Merkley. Thank you so much, Dorothy. It's great to be with you. Great to see all these cool friends in our uh, <clears throat> in our participants list. It's great, all the cool chat. That's awesome. Before I chat more, is it okay if I just say a little prayer? Please, yes. Uh -huh. Awesome. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, who loves each one of us from beyond eternity and cherishes us, each one, with a tremendous and personal love, we totally entrust and consecrate our hearts, our souls, our vocations, the fruits of this time, everything that we are and do and say and take away from this talk, all of it, to weave it all to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Heart of St. Joseph, that beautiful holy family who we in a particular way reflect on uh, in Advent and in Christmas when that season comes. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill us, to possess us, inspire us in all we think, do, and say. Make our hearts truly open to you and the ways that you want to speak to each of us right now, right here, in our real life right now. God, we know you long to speak to us and we long to hear from you. We open our hearts totally to all you want to say to us, the way you want to move in our families, in our workplaces, in our parishes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you to guide us and make this time your own. We ask that you make it all exactly what you want it to be, as we ask this with confidence and in the holy name of Jesus, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thanks for letting me pray. I find everything gets way, way better when you pray and when you give it to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So they're really the ones that are going to do all the heavy lifting. I'm just going to use my very weak, poor, uh, but real gifts that God has given me to uh, do my best to be a vessel uh, and somehow helpful. So, Dorothy, who came up with this cool topic? <laughs> oh, the Holy Spirit came up with this cool topic. That's a good answer. The Holy Spirit and revealed it through Dorothy. Okay. So, last I know you had a talk last time, last week, and uh, it was on Advent as well. I'm going to guess some of the big picture Advent stuff was talked about. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yeah, some of the big, big, big picture stuff. But you know, a refresher is always good as well. So, um, okay. whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick overview of the kind of things I want to talk about today. And I wanted to be um, not too heavy on me just talking uh, to you all. It's, it's really meant to be for something that you are encountering the Lord in this time. Uh, so I'll maybe just quickly say a few things about Advent. 
Then we'll just kind of reflect briefly on the incarnation, a few things about the nativity. And then in a special way, we're going to ask like, what can moms and families take away from these two great mysteries? Like what, what does it actually mean for your life? How can it actually be a window into greater peace, happiness, and holiness for you in the season of Advent and beyond just to change your life? And uh, other than that, then we can have some question and answer if we want as well. So that's really all I want to do today. So with that, maybe we'll just quickly uh, mention some things about Advent. Probably everyone knows that Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming, because we're preparing for, I always like to say, the three comings of Christ. And uh, obviously, we all know it's the first coming of Christ at Christmas. We're kind of reliving it. Like, we couldn't be there. No, we're, we're a few years too late for that. But we can, in the church's wisdom, spiritually be there. And we can be there as if it never happened even. And we can have that same expectation and excitement that the prophets had. They longed to see what the apostles saw, but didn't see it. They longed to hear what they heard, but they didn't hear it. We, we now get to enter into that, that mystery. So the first coming, the second coming of Christ, we all know about that. We say that in the creed, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no one. He's going to come in glory and he's going to make everything right. He's going to fix everything. We're excited. Whenever that happens, some people get a little scared about that, but uh, we're meant to be actually enthusiastically anticipating Christ's return. Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe it is. We don't know. He just says, be ready. Every age always thought it was them. Maybe it's us too. We don't know. And then the third coming, the venerable uh, Fulton Sheen would always talk about the third coming of Christ, that he comes to us every day. He comes to us every moment that his coming, his advent, is now. And so in a certain way, in this midday mom's time right now, like now is now, and Jesus is coming now, and he's right here. And our heart can be attuned to his presence right now. He's right here next to me as I watch this. He's right here with me. Jesus is right next to you, wherever you are. He's coming right now and wants to talk to you. That's advent, big picture. And I, I had a friend who recently said something. They asked me, how do you like live Advent? Lent's kind of easy because it kind of gives you the whole prayer, fasting, giving framework. And you kind of know if you did something or not. But like, <laughs> they're like, Advent's a little harder to know. Like, how do you do it? How do you know if you lived Advent well? Well, one of the, you know, there's so much we could talk about this, but I want to keep it simple for today. But just a, a little thought uh, to throw out there is, one of the main things about Advent, the coming, is to be ready. This is a huge theme in Advent, is to be ready for those comings of Christ. To be ready. Just as Jesus says, be ready, you know not the day or the hour. So readiness. And then we could break that down. Like, What does that mean to be ready? How do I know if I'm ready for those comings? Well, you know, oh, go ahead. I it would be good. Maybe you're already going to incorporate it, but I know that, you know, some moms are like a Martha and okay. Okay. To be ready means I've got my Christmas shopping done to be ready means the Christmas tree is up to be ready. The baking is done. And, you know, I, I, I always like write myself a little journal during Advent. I'm like, okay, 
today I paid, you know, someone's at Tim Hortons a drive through behind me. That's my little advent act and like such a, like a, such a Martha, right? Like, a checklist. Yeah, that's a checklist. And, I'm ready. A checklist. Yeah, I'm ready. And, you know, and is it possible for the house to be a complete mess, but for us to be ready and not that we want it to be a mess, obviously not, but um I just, I would, that that was just something that the Lord put on my heart as you were speaking, that the the ready, what does it mean, right? That's awesome. I'm glad you bring that up. And I had thought about bringing up something like that, but you really uh, helped highlight that really nicely. And uh, okay, we'll just quickly, quickly address that, but we can come back to it more substantially maybe later. But obviously being ready for those comings does not necessarily mean that you have your perfectly accomplished Christmas shopping and like you have everything decorated to the nines, your meal plan is A plus, all of your family members are going to be wowed by when you host them. Like those are not bad things. If you want to do that, awesome. If that's what you think the Holy Spirit is leading you to, great. But you could do all of those and be completely unready for Advent and you could, uh, unready for Christmas, you could totally fail. Yeah. Uh, Those things are not that really top priority. They're not bad. But they're not really the essence of of Christmas and Advent. Yeah, and I I just kind of want to pipe in very quickly before you go. Like, you know, like, you know, some of us know, you know, the women and we see them on Instagram, you know, (coughs) this remarkable, beautiful, stunning, and sometimes, you know, Catholic family with 12 kids and they're all lined up with the perfect little outfits and everything like that. And that organized and I only have two kids so I can never but but I think it's just so important right that you know just because the exterior it it looks so perfect doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that the interior is ready so I'm really glad that you're you know you've brought that up that's great thanks for highlighting that and in fact so we bring this back to just this little preamble about Advent and this idea of readiness really being in my opinion, a a very core and almost summary of Advent. Um, Readiness is ultimately about your heart. And it's ultimately about your relationship with God. And it's it's not so much the externals. Externals are not bad because they're an expression of my relationship with God and neighbor, right? Like putting on a nice meal and hosting others is, is a wonderful kind thing that can bring community and God's love. So it's great. But again, that's not really the core. So what does it mean to be ready? I'm going to propose to you, here's what I think it is to be ready. And it would be this, to have a heart that says yes to whatever God wants of me and will not put strings attached to that and is really free. I have a free heart that is ready to say yes to God, no matter what he asks me. And all I will do is my best to correspond to whatever I think he asks me. Boom. That's readiness. Okay. It might sound really simple, but you can probably see that that's really the heart of everything. Like if I have a heart like that, if I have a heart that's ready to say yes to God and do my best for him, no matter how imperfect my best is, maybe I got two kids, five kids, 10 kids, whatever. And I can't get them all nicely arranged for their photo. And I can't, you know, I don't feel good enough because all my Catholic mom friends, they've got these great Instagram photos and their meals with their steamy cooked, you know, delicious items. And it all looks perfect. And oh, man, I, I'm just a mess. I'm a basket case. Uh, my turkey came out and I think I overcooked it by an hour. Like it's just a mess. Um, notice, notice this key part about being ready. 
which will help us when we look at the incarnation, the nativity, and just other practical lessons from moms about this. This key aspect of being ready means I'm ready to say yes to God, whatever he says to me, and I'll do my best. Best does not mean it will work out perfect. Uh, I think if we're honest, if we're trying to do our best, a lot of the time it still doesn't work out perfect. Like I can try my best to preach like a really good homily, or I can try my best to be like, I'm going to do the best I can to prep for a midday mom's talk, uh, or I can try my best to you know, help someone when they bring a lot of problems in their personal life to me, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I am not perfect. I'm striving my best, but I'm ignorant. Um, I, I lack a lot of experience in life. There's a lot of things I don't know. Um, I don't have all the time in the world to prepare as well as I might wish I could. There's going to be priests who will do a way better job than me. But is that going to bother me? Like, am I going to compare myself to other priests and be like, oh, they're better than me? Um, no, like that, you, I think everyone else would say, no, that's, that's not the point. And so it is with being ready for Advent. So it is with being a mom. So it is with preparing for Christmas. The key is I did my best. If God is happy with my best, then I must be happy with my best. Even if it doesn't look like this glowy, beautiful Instagram, perfect reality that somehow I've been conditioned and even brainwashed to think my life needs to be. No, that's, in fact, we're going to see that the nativity and incarnation, in fact, make it really clear that that is not at the core of Advent and that is not at the core of Christmas. That is not at the core of our relationship with God at all. So now that we've kind of done that, I think it's good for us to move into the incarnation. And so just being mindful as we move forward that Advent is a time of preparing for the comings of Christ and being ready where readiness is. I'm ready to say yes to whatever God asks of me. That's the true definition of readiness with no strings attached, and I'll do my best, whatever that looks like. So when we look at the incarnation, obviously, we know the incarnation refers to the fact that Jesus Christ became flesh. Uh, we make a profound bow at the sacred liturgy in the creed whenever we say that. Uh, the rubrics of the Mass say we are to profoundly bow, which means a, a bow from the waist, uh, and the word became flesh. That is Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, becomes one with us. He takes on a human nature without losing anything of his divine nature. And he does that at the moment of the conception when Mary says fiat, when she says at Gabriel's invitation uh, that you know, God is going to give you a son, et cetera, et cetera, at the Annunciation. When she says yes, boom, Jesus Christ is incarnate in a little tiny Sal, in Mary's womb. Wow. And, and, and Father, the, the one thing I'm, I'm hoping that moms that sort of are joining us, midday moms, is that, that we just become too a little bit more comfortable in understanding, like, you know, the incarnation is a central Christian doctrine. And, and to maybe introduce that word today, to your toddlers, to introduce that word today to your teenagers. Do you know what the incarnation means? That, you know, God became flesh. God came from heaven to earth. And because it, I find that a lot of moms in preparing for Christmas, and I'm, you know, the same, is that sometimes, again, we just get caught up in all the cultural norms. And, 
And we forget that these little souls before us um, need a little bit of formation. So maybe challenge yourself today to talk about the incarnation and that word and ask your little kids to repeat it and have little quizzes at, at the end of week so that, you know, these things become normal to them. And it's such, it's, you know, I always have a hard time to saying the word trans subs. <laughs> it's no, we're not covering it today, <laughs> but, but that, you know, it's almost like we should have flashcards with these words for our kids so that they understand the incarnation. And how do you say Trump's trans subs? Transubstantiation, the changing of the substance, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yeah, yeah. So another talk, another day. Um, but just encouraging moms out there, you know, to keep it at the kitchen table and keep the formation um, growing so that the faith doesn't become stale. They're learning. There you go. Yeah, I think that is a nice point to make. Doesn't hurt to throw it in there that like maybe some of these words could seem big and it's good to naturally kind of naturally weave them into the way you talk as a family like so the kids get used to these words they become normal uh, you don't want to make it too artificial when you bring these things in because it just should become normal but obviously you have to be deliberate and you as the mom you know yeah, like sometimes I just say hey I came back from mom's group you know today and I learned a new word from Eliza Trot one of the speakers or something and then um you know that that was one of the little tactics I used when my children were little and so anyway I'm not for everybody nice. There you go. Take notes and say, say, guess what I learned at the midday mom's thing, guys. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so uh, we'll continue on with just a quick note about the incarnation in general and then apply it to, uh, to Advent and us today. So, obviously, the incarnation, Jesus becomes one of us. He's going to grow. He's going to be born in the nativity. But the incarnation itself is really the beginning of this whole mystery of Emmanuel, God with us. And, God already was with us. God, God wasn't like, hey, I'm not with you. I'm waiting. Like, no, he was with us, but he wasn't one with us. Like Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, literally in his very person, unites God and humanity into one. And there's this marriage between divinity and humanity in the person of Christ that we are drawn into through baptism. We are meant to become sharers in the divine nature because we're baptized into Christ, who is divine. So just this whole idea of the incarnation is kind of tied to uh, the fact that we are meant to share in the very life of Almighty God. Um, so it's important for us that we're called to this divine life and that Jesus wants to be so close to us. God wants to be so close to us, closer to you than the, the air you breathe. He wants to be one with you. He yearns for you. He cherishes you. He treasures you. He longs for you so much that he couldn't resist becoming one with your nature and so it's very very important for us to be aware that this incarnation is like one of god's love letters to you it's like one of his um his beautiful poems that he wrote in love for you he wants to be one with you at that mass the priest every time as you you've probably seen him do it uh as he's preparing the altar for the liturgy of the eucharist he takes wine and the wine gets poured in the chalice where the deacon does it if there's a deacon there and he pours a good amount of wine, not too much, not too uh, little. And then he pour, normally pours about a drop or a few drops of water into the chalice after the wine's been poured in. And of course, the wine is symbolic of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. And the water is symbolic of his human nature. And just as that wine does not lose anything of its wineness because of a few drops of water, 
Jesus Christ's divinity loses nothing by him taking on our humanity. So he is totally one with us. Okay. You might be like, well, how is this ever going to be applicable to my life, Father? Like, this just sounds like just like some, you know, high theology that you got to bring down for me. So let's just note how, okay, you know, we're going to come back to this because I also want to quickly address the nativity. And then as a package deal, we'll be more easily able to apply it. So obviously, God becomes flesh, the incarnation, and then the nativity happens, right? The birth of Jesus. How beautiful. The best birthday ever that we get to relive every Christmas day. If you think of how special your own birthday is and the, the birthdays of your children, your family, your spouse, think how much more special should be the birthday of Jesus. And he, of course, we, we often talk about this. He was, he was born in this total, totally poor, totally apparently insufficient, totally non-prepared way, right? Like whether you say he was in a stable or a cave, right? People always say, well, we don't really know. Okay, I, we don't really have to get into that. But what we do know is they were poor, right? It's not like they had, you know, their perfect Christmas meal ready and everything was hung up nice and all the gifts were in order. And like, no, there's none of that. Like, it's like, we can't even find a place. Like we tried our best, like they knew it was coming. They knew like, they're not like surprised. Whoa, we're going to have a baby. Like, obviously uh, Joseph knows that he's called as the foster father to prepare a place. Obviously Mary knows the time of that birth is coming, but they tried their best and they couldn't get what they wanted. So just notice here, as you're trying to get ready for Jesus coming, his first coming to relive it, his second coming, whenever that is, his daily coming every day. Notice you don't need everything perfect around you to be ready. You do not need everything to be perfect around you to be ready. Because this is a source of anxiety for so many people. They think they have to have everything in its proper place. That's not readiness. Were, were Mary and Joseph ready for the birth of Jesus? Yes. They were not unready. And why were they ready? Because their heart was ready to say yes to God, no matter what he asked them, with no strings attached, and to do their best. And that's what they did. They did their best perfectly. And therefore, they were ready. Because God's idea of our readiness is not us having control over everything and having everything perfectly laid out as our nice, beautiful, uh, foreseen plans are somehow actualized exactly to our own designs. Actually, God loves to let us plan, and oftentimes things go according to plan. But oftentimes, God actually loves to, un on purpose, not let our plans materialize. Because A, he has better plans. And B, sometimes he needs to let us be reminded that we are not in total control. That he has gotten that we're not. And that he's a loving father we can trust. So we don't have to have it all under control. We don't have to, to be ready. This is really a core idea of what it means to be a, a child of God that I trust in God. So when we look at the nativity, the incarnation being a sign of God's passionate love for us, like the world was so messed up. If you think your life is messed up, if you think your family has brokenness, if you think there's things in your life that are not the way they should be, well, Jesus loves to come into that because that's the exact world he came into. Jesus came into a world full of brokenness, full of pain, full of sin, full of shame, uh, insufficient to save itself. And that's the world 
that he longs to be with because he loves to be with sinners. He loves to eat with tax collectors and people that are in some shady businesses. He happens to love being with you no matter what. Okay, so the incarnation means he wants to be with us in our mess. And the nativity means you don't have to have everything perfect. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have this nice, fancy thing. Jesus, in his humility, he's so humble. He wants to do more good for you than you even are ready to let him do in your life. So Advent is a time for us to grow in humility and know God loves me. Like I can't be ready fully if I don't know how much God loves me. Because how can I really want to give my whole life to God if I don't realize how loved I am by God? How can I really give my whole life to God? As Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself is the second. How can I do that if I don't know how loved I am? And it's when we know how loved we are that we're secure in his love, despite the imperfection, the brokenness, the disorder in my life. That, that is not a barrier to my being ready. That's not a barrier to my being loved. And we need to interiorize this very deeply because people carry around so much anxiety, so much guilt, so much shame. And that's the exact opposite of the readiness that God wants for you in Advent. Uh, it might sound very profound, but well, I think it is. I think we need to, to accept this, that the King of Kings became so weak, this poor little baby, so fragile, so vulnerable. Obviously, he's Almighty God. He's the King of Kings. But we need to be touched and wooed and loved and inflamed by this. Okay. There's so much more we could say on this, but now I want to transition, keeping all this in mind again, to what can moms learn from this? Well, first off, God is with you in absolutely everything. Jesus entered our world. There's no, there's no circumstance he won't enter. Okay, don't mind my parish phone ringing in the background. So God is with you in everything. I want you to think right now of the things that are most weighing on you most bothering you whether you've talked to god about them or not so what are those things that have most weighed on you whether it's what you're thinking about in relation to advent or christmas or just your own personal life at home or your workplace or your family whatever it is that the things on your to-do list what, what is most stressing you out and i want you to know that jesus cares more about that stuff than you do and he wants to be with you in it, just like he came to be in this world, in the flesh. And he's still in this world, in the flesh, not only in the Eucharist, but just he's everywhere uh, in his humanity. Uh, obviously not in the same way in the Eucharist, but you know what I mean, hopefully. No matter how poor or inconvenient or unideal your home life, your work life, he's in it. He's with you. And that should console us in this time of Advent and Christmas, like, when you get caught up in your to-do list, you get caught up in yourself and you're trying to make everything perfect, like just slow down. God's already with you. Be at peace. Be happy. Be relaxed in the Lord. Even as you do your things you have to do, you should never lose your peace in your heart. God enters into the deepest, darkest misery to bring light, consolation, and hope. And he can brighten any darkness you may be in at this time, whether you feel that he's with you or not. He's with you. I guarantee you he's with you right now. Sometimes people get especially heavy around this, this time of year. Christmas is, is, a, is a great season, but it's also a season that many people find very, very hard because of lost loved ones, because of other things that, that have been associated with Christmas. 
don't see Christmas as a time of darkness. See it as a time of light, as a time of healing, a time, a time where, because we've been getting more ready in Advent with that definition of readiness, we're more free and more able to receive the light, receive the consolation of God, receive his guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was human and he understands the brokenness of human nature because he was surrounded by it. Jesus dealt with all sorts of people way more crazy and weird than you. Okay. And I don't mean you as in Dorothy. I'm not saying Dorothy's crazy. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, probably am a little crazy. <laughs> all of us are probably a little crazy. And that's okay. And all of us are a little bit unique and weird. And that's actually part of the cool diversity of how we're all beautiful uh, and unique in God's eyes. Uh, but sometimes we can get down on ourselves. Yeah, people talk to you about this regularly. This is why I'm bringing it up. People tend to overinflate their own uh, and overfocus on their own like brokenness and weirdness and imperfection. And, and just like Jesus is not alien to this. This is, this is stuff he loves to heal, to fix, to, and, and also sometimes to say like, no, that's not a problem, actually. That's a gift. You're not a problem. Your gift, that part of your personality, maybe it's not a much, as much of a problem as you think it is. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe you need a little honing of it. Maybe. Okay. But like Jesus entered into our world to bring light, to bring peace, to bring healing. And being ready means I'm open to whatever God wills. And I'm free in my heart to know that God has made me as me. And God, God didn't mess up when he made me. And I didn't mess up so bad that now it's all toast. Like, God is bigger than your brokenness. God is bigger than your weakness. God is greater than your sin. God can heal you more than you've messed up your life or you've messed up your family or messed up your workplace or messed up your kids, whatever. Like, and I'm not saying, you, I'm not accusing anyone of doing this, but I'm saying that the people will accuse themselves of this sometimes. Yeah. And you need to know that the redemption that Jesus Christ brought at Christmas and brought on the cross is bigger than all of that infinitely bigger no matter how big it is in your mind and heart it's like a little drop in the ocean of god's mercy and his grace and his love i guarantee you his grace is bigger than your brokenness okay go ahead Dorothy. i you're 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 touching on some uh just i think very sensitive areas in the hearts of a lot of a lot of moms and i know that um i'm you know, sorry, I'm, I'm just, it's hit me, it touched me very deeply, and I, I just wanted to share. Um, you know, I, th I think as, as moms, we all struggle a little bit of, you know, the feeling of, you know, not being, uh, you know, not being good enough, not being worthy enough, you know, and uh, I don't know about the rest of the moms that are watching, but I'm, you know, continually co comparing and I know it's wrong I know but you can't help co compare because sometimes you know these incredible speakers that are you know theologians and women and 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 so that was just a real gift to me that you, you're you're touching on something and I have a it also just brought a little memory and I'm wondering if any other moms are kind of a bit anxious about Christmas this year um, because it's, it, it could be the first Christmas in a long time where things are kind of back to normal in a sense, right? Because, you know, we had the pandemic Christmases where we weren't kind of allowed to socialize. And uh, for me, I, I kind of loved simplifying and loved not going to a hundred different family places. Like it was, to me, it was a, like, 
the Christmas pandemic was a real gift. <laughs> so I, I shouldn't say that maybe, but, and I remember one, uh, one Christmas and I, I promise I'll keep this short. Um, I have, a, I suffer from a lot of allergies. And so one Christmas, I was just having a really hard time. Like one thing that happens is my tongue swells. And so if it, and if it, you know, I carry an EpiPen. And so because Christmas, you know, there's, pine trees and candles and perfumes i'm like okay okay john family you guys go to the extended family on christmas day for the turkey i'm just staying home by myself because i was having too many episodes and i thought i'm just gonna and, and i stayed home and i read the gospel of luke by myself and it was like one of the most beautiful christmas days that I had, right? And so I, I'm wondering, um, I, I'm kind of nervous about this re-entering into, you know, Christmas, hi! And, and you know, and, and God might be calling, Dorothy Polarski, God might be calling some of you um, to come face-to-face -face with, you know, family members that don't practice any faith that don't believe in Jesus Christ. And I, you, you really hit a spot with me that it's okay, it's not what Dorothy wants to sit at home with the gospel of Luke by herself. But I might be God, I don't know, but, but might be asking me to, you know, to visit with certain family members and yes, talk about, um, you know, the joy I'm experiencing because of Jesus Christ, but it does cause some conflict. And, and so anyway, you, you just hit on a lot of different um, spots in my heart. And I, I don't want to just randomly start crying, but uh, it was very anointed reflection. I, I should let you continue. I'm sorry. No, it's great for sharing. Thank you so much, Dorothy. That's really beautiful because the Holy Spirit is speaking through us right now. The Holy Spirit is with us and I don't have to be perfect for the Holy Spirit to work. And that's just a, like a testimony to, to everyone else. Like you don't have to be perfect for the Holy Spirit to work. Through you. you just have to be sincerely trying as best you can to do God's will. And God will use you in marvelous ways. Right? That's all I ever do. All I'm like, oh, I'm going to try my best. But God has got to be you. That's why at the beginning of this, this time, I just said, you make this time what you want it to be, God. Because I know all the fruitfulness comes from God. None of it comes from me. I like to imagine that God has to work so hard to do good through me that it's as if like I was trying to bench press 800 pounds. And like, I just can't do it. It's just too much for me. Like I can't even bench press probably like 200 pounds. I'm, I don't even bench press stuff. So it's probably really low. Um, so I think that uh, I just imagine kind of there's a way of, I, I help myself think about like God, God to do good for me, it has to like do the equivalent as if I lifted 800 pounds. And like, I'm like, wow, God, you did it. You're amazing. You did it again. Uh, so that's like a little mental humorous image I used for myself. Um, to remind yourself that it's all God doing good, but, but he does ask uh, for our cooperation. So part of that readiness is to live out uh, the spirit of a quote from St. Augustine. He says, you know, um, pray like it all depends on God, work like it all depends on you. But I would add like, even his, uh, even his grace is what allows you to work, like do your part. Right. So it's, it's ultimately our free will that cooperates. Okay. Let's bring this back to uh, com continuing on what moms can take from, from this. Uh, even though hopefully the, the beautiful little aside of what I just shared is fruitful. Um, so Jesus can work through you. He loves you. He's bigger than your brokenness. All you need to do is be ready. Just like I said, 
to be ready is to, to say, God, I want to do your will. I want to say yes to whatever you want with no strings attached. And I'm going to do my best to do that. That's all it is. And uh, just on that topic of comparing yourself to other moms, right? Or other people. Sometimes when we, when we look at other people, we notice things about them that we don't have or we don't do. Uh, and that can sometimes bother us. We can say, well, I don't, uh, I don't speak as well, or I'm not as well organized, or I don't have um, uh, everything in order as well as them, or not as good of a cook as them, or I don't have my fashion sense as well as them, whatever. Okay, you could come up with a million things. I'm not a woman, so I don't know exactly what, what kind of things they compare, but I'm guessing those are some of them. And sometimes when you compare yourself to another person, there can be good things that happen or bad things that happen. Good things you can admire someone else. And you can say, wow, look how God has used that person. God, you're amazing. God, I praise you for the gifts you've given to this lady or, or this person. Wow, God, because I know it's all from you anyways, God, so I can just praise you. And then sometimes also we can be inspired to some kind of imitation, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will use that to nudge us to say, like, I, I also want you, the Holy Spirit can say, I want you to work on that too. I think that's a way that you could be more ready is if you cultivate that gift more, right? But other times on the flip side, comparison can go awry, right? It can be, wow, I don't have that. And then the devil can come along and say like, look, you're kind of like subpar. You're kind of like mediocre. If you listen to that and start taking it in seriously, if you let that sink in your heart, then you're like, oh, I'm kind of subpar. I'm kind of junky, right? And like, okay, notice how first off that's a lie. It's like everything the devil does. Like, no, God made God made you great. Like, you don't have to be that person to be great. Like, this whole life, like, oh, I have to have what they have, and otherwise I'm not great. Like, no, God made you great. You just be the best you you can be. Be ready. That's a plus. You'll be a saint. Like, it's that simple. Let them be the saint they're called to be with the gifts they have. You be the saint you're called to be with the gifts you have. Inspire each other. Learn from each other. Do your best. Boom. Then you get to go to heaven and then it's all good. Okay. So just on that comparison idea, I thought those thoughts might be helpful. Here's a funny thing. <clears throat> I have a priest friend of mine. He always uh, hilariously uh, just jokes about how people have Christmas parties in Advent. And I, I love this. This is so funny. Like he's always like, well, why, why are we having Christmas parties when Christmas hasn't come? Like, like Christmas is December 25th and then there's a season of Christmas. Um, but people like they'll be like, hey, like I, I gotta I gotta make a joke. I'm not gonna give too many details because I just want to be cautious. But like I was at a gathering uh, over a week ago before Advent started. And it was a Christmas gathering. And Advent hadn't even started. And like I think this is hilarious because like I think it's it's just kind of funny. Like I'm not bothered by it, but but it's like wow, like we've totally lost the sense of Advent. We've totally lost the sense of like Christmas comes later. It's not just like, oh, Halloween's happened, so it's Christmas time. It's like, no, it's not Christmas time. You got it wrong. Uh, so people say like, well, we have Christmas party before Christmas. It's like, well, why don't, you, why don't you have like an Advent party or like an Advent gathering and like have a little bit more like, like um, preparation vibes rather than it's already happened vibes, right? Have a little purple or pink colors, have a little, you know, come on, come Emmanuel or whatever in the background, maybe, you know, um, just change it a bit um, so that's just kind of a little practical kind of thing like the way we live advent should be advent if you're having christmas parties in advent like you're kind of circumventing the actual way 
that we should be doing it. Okay. Now I don't want you to get scrupulous about this. I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to be like, well, I can't go to any party that's called a Christmas party. Oh, I'm not trying to tell you that. That's the Holy Spirit to guide you. Just be ready. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Uh, good news for you. If your heart is open to God guiding you, he will guide you. Absolutely. He will give you what you need to make the best decision you can. And so you don't have to worry. And you just do your best with what you, what you know at the time. And if you don't get extra light on something, just make the best decision you can and don't worry. So um, here's another thing that, that uh, and you mentioned this, and I really wanted to make sure I brought this up, is that a lot of moms do feel this like not being good enough thing, right? And, and so just to bring this back to the incarnation and the nativity, like think of Mary, she's 14 or roughly, well, that's traditionally we say she was 14 right? Roughly when, uh, when Jesus came into her womb, okay, she's 14. Okay. Technically they're married, Joseph and Mary, but like, it's not like it's the prime readiness. Um, and it just happens. Like, it's not like, it's not like, uh, Gabriel sends like an email to Mary, like, by the way, coming to visit in one week, big, important question, be ready. Uh, hint, hint, yes, <laughs> baby's involved. Like, baby involved. like, it's not like she has advanced notice. She, she's like, how can this happen? So, so, you know, sometimes as a mom, you're like, well, I don't have everything sorted out. I'm not ready enough. I don't have everything like, and then that's part of, part of one of the ways where, where moms and just anyone can be like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing good enough. It's like, look at Mary. Mary didn't have everything perfectly ready, either at the Annunciation or at the birth uh, of Jesus. And so like, let that give you permission to not have everything ready and to be okay with that. It doesn't mean be lazy. I'm still saying do your best. But like Mary did her best, but it, no one would say everything was perfectly ready in the world for Jesus's arrival. Like everything was perfect. Like, no, we would say like Jesus probably would have deserved uh, the best house possible the best medical people to welcome him and to inspect him and to be like, yes, everything is good. He's in good health. Right. And no, no epidural. Always yeah, just, right. But then no again, epidural for Mary, no epidural, <laughs> no epidural. But I mean, also the good news is, is traditionally um, many of the fathers of the church say that there was no child pain for Mary because child pain was a punishment of sin after the fall. Uh, but because Mary was conceived without uh, original sin, many fathers of the church proposed that she didn't experience pain in childbirth um, and that there was a miraculous manner of her delivery uh, because of the fact that she had no stain of sin at all. So that's a bit of a side note. So she may not have needed the epidural, but that's like either way, like it wasn't the ideal. Uh, circumstance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there no was right. no like there should have been like a parade of like the world's greatest people ready and be like, we behold the newly born savior, you know? Yeah, you know and that, I, I'm sorry I brought it up, but I, I guess when uh, I was giving birth to, you know, one of my kids and I was in the hospital and I, I you know, there I was and I, you know, had the music and had flowers from people and I had this and then the epidurals getting ready and this and this. And I did reflect on our blessed mother. I thought, you know, I have all of these props, like these nurses, these doctors, you know, the, this IV, these gifts. And, and, I, and I just thought of our blessed mother, like how much trust she must have had. Right. That's right. Um, and, and so one of the things, I try to do during the Advent season is to purge as much as I can because I 
just like our lives have become so stuffed with stuff, right? Like, I don't know how many mugs you have in your kitchen cabinet. I get rid of my mugs now. It's too many. Yeah, yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm always so. giving stuff away now because I just find less is more. And like, I've, I've come to accept like, no, if you keep everything, you, you keep too much. You become a hoarder. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sorry that, it, but that just kind of pipes in. And when I watch the movie, Mary of Nazareth too, and the simplicity of, the setting of the cave or the stable always just really reminds me too on, on what I should be encouraging my kids to achieve, right? Because like so many times, there's so many young people too now that don't want to get married because they don't have a house, they don't have a car, they don't have, mm. um, you know, a Keurig, they don't have all this stuff, right? And they're missing the nativity of the marriage, you know, or the, the essence of it. I, I'm, anyways, so these are just some mom thoughts piping in. Yeah, no, it's interesting thought about, I mean, we could probably go into a whole cultural commentary on how, yeah, the lack of this proper readiness and uh, misunderstandings like lead to all sorts of weird, unhealthy societal trends. Um, but we probably won't have time to get into all that. But just a few other things I wanna, I wanna kind of close with before we kind of open up to any Q and A. Um, here's just my best attempt to kind of summarize the rest of things I thought might be helpful. Uh, remember that Jesus would have come, would have been conceived and born for you, even if you were the only one, right? St. Augustine says Jesus would die for you if you were the only one. Just imagine, just think about that. Take that in. Like if you were the only one ever, he would still do that. So you have to remember how much he loves you and let that inflame your desire to be ready in the definition we've talked about. Jesus often didn't have all the things that would be ideal to have, but the family still thrived, right? It's not like they didn't thrive as the Holy Family. Well, they thrived because each of them did their best to do God's will. And that's the true secret of a holy and therefore a happy family. So if you want a happy, holy family, it starts with you. You need to be ready in the spirit of readiness. Yes, God, no strings attached. I'll do my best. Wherever that takes me, even if it doesn't look perfect to myself or others, it is, it is a quasi-perfection. If I've done that to the best of my ability, that is a sort of perfection. What more could I have done? It's impossible to have done more. Therefore, you did the perfect thing. Therefore, don't be so hard on yourself and actually experience the peace and joy of having lived as a good child of God who is continuing to become more good also, a lot of people, a lot of parents struggle with concerns about their children. Uh, remember that God will provide for your children, just as God the Father provided for Jesus. You need not be afraid of anything. Remember Romans 8, 28, all things work to the good of those who love God. Sometimes moms get very concerned about their children, yeah, whether they've kept the faith or not, if they've strayed in some way, like, don't worry, just be ready, just be like Mary, do God's will, trust, because your fear shows a lack of trust in God. But surrender to him at knowing he's a good father. Okay, so being ready, getting your Christmas shopping, all this stuff, that's that's not priority number one. That's That could be a way of loving others. But it's not the primary way of being ready. When you feel like you're not good enough or you haven't done good enough, just ask yourself, did I do my best? If the answer is yes, if you're not aware of anything you knew at the time was better, well, then you did do your best. If you were open in your heart, if you were trying to create that, that heart of readiness, that, that was your best. That was great. Okay, if you didn't, then yeah, you need to obviously repent and, and come back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. But then he's just going to forgive you and say, hey, go and sin no more. And I love you. And he's going to lift you up higher than you were before you fell. And you're going to feel great. Sometimes you'll feel really overwhelmed. They feel like there's so much to do and not enough time. There's another problem for a lot of moms, right? So much you want to do, never enough time. 
again, it just comes back to doing your best and prioritizing. Like, and God is with you in this overwhelm. He's with you in the infinite ocean of good things you could do. He doesn't expect you to have it all figured out. He doesn't expect you to somehow complete every good idea you can think of. He just wants you to be with him. God just wants you to be with him, to do your best, to live this readiness. And if you do that, living as a beloved, cherished child of God that you are, trying not to lose your peace, you're already living quasi-perfection. You're already a saint in the making. It's not that hard to be a saint. At, the, at its heart, if you just live this readiness that Advent is cultivating, be not afraid. Uh, if your kids or your spouse don't practice the faith or whatever, don't worry. Just do your best. Trust in God. As St. Padre Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. How do I know if I lived Advent well? Did I try to live this readiness every day? Am I honest with God? If I, if I look in my heart and, and ask, okay, am I ready in this definition? The Holy Spirit will remind you if there's something you're not doing right. Like the Holy Spirit might say, yeah, you're being lazy on your, your prayers. Or yeah, you're, being, you're losing your temper with your family. Or you're trying to do too much and you need to say no more. Right? The Holy Spirit will let you know. And then you have to, in your heart, you know, say yes to that with no, no strings attached. And like, let your life be changed. And that is transformation. That is holiness in the making. So there's, there's some thoughts. Uh, it's already pretty much three. But I pray that those are fruitful um, as you think about the incarnation, the nativity, and being ready in Advent, and the true spirit of this, I pray that this will be helpful for you, and that you'll be able to incarnate it yourself as you prepare for the nativity. And we can do Q and A if you want, if people still want to hang around. Wow, I've got uh, I've got a, a a few goosebumps here. Um, that was just just beautiful. The, the Lord really, really was touching me. Um, quite deeply and I don't know if any uh, any of you can relate to this and I'm going to share something that <laughs> I'm not too proud of but uh, you know I think a lot of moms struggle with you know perfectionism in that you know they want things to be perfect they're they're not perfect you know <laughs> but they're striving for this perfect Christmas and you know, my my family has made me face the fact often, and, and it's hard sometimes to listen to that, you know, whenever there's a significant, you know, gathering in our house or, you know, Christmas, or, that I become very, very kind of like pent up with anger because I've got all this, I just want it all to be perfect. And when it's not all falling into this kind of plan that I have and this, you know, I, and, and it's like, then like, you know, my son's like, Michael, like, why would we want to have a party? Like we know who you're going to become. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And it's, it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing to admit. And, uh, you know, I know that I was, you know, my husband's a convert to the faith. And, and so the family that he grew up in is, you know, very different. And I came from a very kind of religious, pious, you know, my mom was in the Legion of Mary. My dad was the church organist. Um, you know, they weren't academic Catholics. They were, they were just very simple people that dogmatically listened to the rules and came to Canada and trusted. And, 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 and so, 
you know, with John's background and, you know, my background, I have like this one vision of Christmas and he's like, okay, oh, like whatever I'm in. But, but, but and so I think there's a, a lot of conflicts um, during the Christmas time. And I've had to really, you know, like my son has said to me on a couple of occasions and sometimes our children say things to us that we must listen to. Because, you know, he said to me, like, mom, like, I don't know, like, do you know, like, this, sometimes you're kind of harsh. And I'm kind of like, oh. <laughs> and, and so it's like, okay, if on Christmas Day I'm being harsh, you know, like, that's not what Christ is calling me to become, right? So all of, you know, I, I know that different moms have, you know, different struggles as you approach through the Christmas season. Sometimes the fighting increases in the family. Sometimes the, you know, do we go to this family? Do we go to that family? Do we go to all families? And then we have like six Christmases. And when do I say no? And, and you know, your older son may not want to go to confession. And one might like the Latin mass and the other likes the charismatics. <laughs> so it's so just a real time. It can't be a real time of, of conflict. Um, so that's why we're hosting you know, these midday mom sessions to kind of begin to equip you, right? Um, to think a little bit deeper. And I found myself kind of Googling the words like, well, what does nativity really mean? And what does incarnation really mean? Like, so let's like, just take the time every day for just a few minutes to dig a little deeper into our faith. And and Father, do, do priests like being invited to people's houses at Christmas, uh, or, or are they just so question. tired of it all that they, you know, how, how can we love and support our parish priests, for example? Is it with an invitation or like, you know, don't give me cookies or like, just because <laughs> one thing, like, I grew up with a real, I'm going to start crying again today is the crying day, but I grew up with a real love for priests. Um, you know, I was seven or eight years old and I could hear Christ speaking through a particular priest, Father Rosmuswowski and I, I have visited him from time to time and, you know, in the Copernicus Lodge. And, and we've lost that, I think some families have lost that real love, that real love for priests and that love. And I think sometimes we forget to love them. And, um, and, and so how could we love our priests? Great question. I wish I got this question more often. Now let me let me uh, rend the veil and uh, show the real life of priests <laughs> with you. But uh, okay, so let me respond to all your questions in order that I remember them. So regarding do priests want to be invited to things, especially at Christmas? Uh, every priest is different, right? I'm sure we all know very well, like priest personalities vary as much as any people's personalities vary. Um, so some priests, they thrive on this stuff. They love getting invited and, and they love, you know, the eating and the talking and the mingling and the desserts and the fine stuff or even not so fine stuff. They, whatever, they're just happy to be with you. They love you. They love their parishioners. Some priests, that they love that. Other priests are a lot more introverted and they're kind of like, they're like, I wish I kind of wanted to go, but like, I kind of don't want to go. Not because I don't like you, but because I like just need my space because like, this is how I cope with the demands of my life. So some priests like that stuff more and some don't like it as much. Um, so it's just don't don't be offended if you ask a priest 
something like, hey, do you want to come for Christmas or Advent gathering for, uh, for Christmas? And they, if they say no, don't take it personally, because I bet you they're saying no to a whole ton of people, right? Um, and priests get so, I mean, I don't know about other priests, but I assume it's pretty similar. Like I get so many invites for so many things. And it's like, I, uh, I'm just like a lot better at saying no than I ever was. And it's not because I don't want to, like, if I could freeze time, let's hang out forever. Let's just keep hanging out. <laughs> I would love it. That'd be great with all of you forever. Uh, but I can't because I have confessions to hear and, uh, homilies to prepare and counseling to do and like things I need to do in my parish to follow all the norms of the church. Like, and that doesn't happen on its own. So, um, so there are different factors at play. And I would just say like, the very fact that you reach out to your priest and I mean, ask like, and say lovingly, but not imposingly, but lovingly, Father, uh, if there's anything we can do to make your life better as a sign of our gra gratitude to you, like we would love to do anything. Just let us know. If you ever want to come over for a meal, just want a place to relax, or if there's anything we can do to make, make things better for you, you know, like Father, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you say that for me anyways, that's awesome. That's great. Cause then I know I have the freedom if I want to ask you for something, if I want to talk to you, I know where you're at. But I also don't feel like you're imposing on me because some people, they're like, Father, you're coming, right? And it's like, I'm, already, I'm sorry, but I'd love to be there. Oh, Father, you must come. You must come. It's like, no, actually, I don't have to come. And you're being pushy. Like, I wouldn't say that to them, but that's the truth. Like, so don't be the pushy people. Like, they think that they're the most important in my life. And they're actually not. Uh, not that they're not important. I'm just being playfully blunt with you. Like there are people that are like that. And it's like, for me, that just adds anxiety in my life. Like when you're trying to force yourself into my life, not because I don't want to be friends with you, not because I don't love you, but like, I just only got so much of me to go around. And if you come abrasively imposing me, spending time with you on me, like that's not very attractive to me. And that's not very uh, encouraging or uh, supportive. That's just well, anxiety. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm sure that a lot of priests don't have that problem. Right. Like you're, you're blessed because I, I think certain priests, like, you know, you're very warm, you're charismatic, you're caring. So that's a good problem to have too many invitations. You know? It is good. It is good. It's a blessing. And, and it's, I just try my best to, to think, okay, who Holy Spirit are you asking me to be with? And yeah. how much are you asking me to do this? Because time with a family is a wonderful, powerful, fruitful thing. I love doing it. I really, really enjoy it. I really do. It's a, it's a great, wonderful joy for me, but if there's another thousand things on my to-do list and they're like really necessary, I feel a little bit strange about putting off those time-sensitive important things, even to do a very good thing. Yes, uh, I think it's, for, it's for, a good card. So yeah, good message. And I do encourage moms, uh, like, I don't know that, like we've lost the art of a handwritten note, right? And so even if you mail your priest uh, a note that says, dear father, uh, I just really was touched by your homily. And I love, you know, the change in our parish since you've arrived. Um, our family is praying for you. We love you. Like, I, I, we, you know, this, this, like whenever I get a handwritten note, I'm kind of like ecstatic, right? Because everything now is by text. Everything now is by email. And, and so consider even like writing, just writing a note, right? <laughs> Whatever name is stamp. Like I, I love getting handwritten notes and, and so maybe a handwritten note, um, you know, might be a good idea to just to make that connection with the priest. 
Sure, that's nice. And if I may add a few more things. Um, Absolutely. I yeah, think yeah. Uh, you're I the think priest that, after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to be like clericalist and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you all necessary things. Like, no, I, I don't want to over talk. I just want to give you the right amount. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. wants me to share, but um, just some just general thoughts on this. Like, what do priests most generally love? They love receiving prayer. They love like yeah, a little note, a little affirmation. I think priests really appreciate. When you, when you call out something concrete that they did that helped and that you saw was good, you know, like father, we really appreciated the way that you, you work in your homilies, or we really appreciate how you're so available for confessions, or we really appreciate how, um, you know, you just make our faith easier to understand, like something that your priest does, that's good. It's easy for us to get so caught up sometimes in like what priests don't do good, but sometimes it's just a beautiful, loving, warm gift to just call out something concrete that they did that was good, that was helpful, and to just say it in particular, like either in person or a note. And, and one thing the priests really like when you do is they like when you smile at them. <laughs> they know you really like them. Like you're not just like a political hair strategist who's like trying to manipulate things. No, they want like genuine happiness. And uh, parishioners, they make the priest's life easier when they're just nice, happy, loving, and easygoing and not... Um, not kind of like dictating how things are going to be in the pair. I mean, this is probably not you. You're probably not like that if you're on this kind of thing. But, but uh, and invite your priest to things. Invite him to your home. Invite him to whatever. And even if it's not around Christmas time, you can invite him. It does no harm, eh? It's still a nice gesture. But even if it's not Christmas time, you should invite your priest over. Get him to bless your house. Say, Father, we'd love to have you over for a meal, lunch, or dinner. We'd love to get to spend time with you. Um, and we'd love if you could bless our home or something like that. Uh, that'd be great. And like little things like that just make bonds and memories closer. So I could probably talk for a long time about this topic, but I don't think I'm called to do that yeah, right now. And I didn't intend to actually ask that question. I think the Holy Spirit was uh, guiding me along. So um, just a, a, a warm thank you to all of you that have you know joined us today. And you know, again, sometimes this is hard for me to say, but we, we do need your help, right? And you can help in a, in a number of different ways. Like when we uh, upload this video to YouTube, you know, you can make it a personal goal of yours saying, hey, yeah, this is like actually really good, this Midday Moms. And I'm going to forward that YouTube video to all of my girlfriends and even some of the ones that I know that have left the faith. Because you know, one thing that's really frustrating as a part of our ministry is that very often we're reaching the already holy moms, right? The already striving moms, the already good moms. And one of the huge gifts of the pandemic was this, this format. And so, you know, I always say like, you know, I dare you to forward this YouTube video once it's uploaded to 10 different moms that you know aren't practicing to say, hey, I thought maybe you'd like this, right? Like that's, that is powerful. Like you do something like that, that is powerful. Um, if you like our YouTube channel, you know, that helps us. And if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you know, that helps us. And if you want other mothers to dig deeper, starting a Catholic mom's group at your parish, you know, and I always say, just like, even if you host a mother's group once a month, just even once a month, can you give our Lord 
one morning a month, one night a month where you say, Lord, this night's for you. Um, that's how my mother's group began. I wasn't one of these industrious week after week after week after week. You know, no, 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 no. I, I've got my hands in hundreds of different things. And I always marvel at what God did with this ministry with my once a month. I was like, whoa, right? Um, so some people think that the commitment is like so much bigger and some moms have more energy, some moms have less energy, but I'd rather you host it once a month and put as much love into it as you can then commit to, you know, every week and then it's all scattered and gets canceled and, you know, um, so consider, you know, starting a, a mom's group. And also if you can, um, during the Advent season, if you would consider going to our website, Catholic Moms Group, and making a donation, I would love to hire someone to help me on a part-time basis. Um, you know, we did a survey once of our ministry not too long ago, and there's a whole bunch of moms that want an evening version. So maybe you'd be called to be a host of an evening version of, you know, I've got it in my brain, midday moms at night. <laughs> um, you know, we have another huge demand and we've already got the name and the context, um, you know, something for moms that are more seasoned, um, that are grandmothers and, and their kids have left the faith. And so there's so many things that people are asking our ministry to do. And I just, can't do it all. <laughs> but if I could hire someone, um, and of course, if you would consider making a donation at catholicmomsgroup.com, there's a donate button, whether it's $5, whether it's $300, like whatever you can. Um, we're starting a little kind of separate account trying to save up to hire some help for uh, our ministry. So um, I'd also like this just as in closing, uh, is there anyone here that is willing to commit to praying a rosary this evening for Father Merkley's intentions? Um, maybe mention it in the chat. I know that I'll be praying a rosary for his intentions this evening. Um, and if you kind of feel a nudge in your heart that, okay, we're going to remember Father Greg in the rosary today. Our uh, little Father Greg needs your prayers. He wants to be a saint. Yeah, so, you know, please do. So uh, any closing thoughts? I want to just say thank you to everyone for coming. Uh, for some reason, I don't understand right now. I, I am not able to select in my chat to write to everyone. It only lets me send to hosts and panelists, which are me and Dorothy. So um, so I otherwise I'd be like responding to you oh, privately. Okay, and stuff okay there like you that. go. That's Now you can. I had to change something. I didn't know that on my end. So next uh, <laughs> I'm always learning worry. as I go. I'm learning. Either way, I, I want to say thank you. And it was really nice to, to hear so many nice things in the chat and uh, many, you know, wonderful, familiar friends and uh, family and uh, people from, uh, you know, I consider them like family from past parishes or other parts of just, you know, good friends of mine. So thank you for coming. Thanks for sharing. And uh, I just want to thank Dorothy for the good work she does. Uh, I know it's not easy, but you do do wonderful work. And uh, you're striving to be ready and have a heart of readiness and do your best. And our Lord is very pleased whenever you do that. And that's a great consoling thing for all of us. Thank you for your prayers. You know, my intention is just that I do God's will and I become a saint and God's will is done in everything. It's pretty simple. <laughs> and uh, before we wrap up, Dorothy, maybe I can just say a prayer and give a blessing. Okay. Best. Do you want me to do that now? 
um, just next week, we are uh, having a, a, a third Advent reflection, and um, it's going to be the, the cross and the crib with uh, Alan Smith. So, you know, Ooh, calendar for next Thursday, um, invite your friends, get the word out. You know, my Advent reflection book this year is the cross and the crib, um, a compilation by uh, Alan Smith. I just, I love the work that he does. And he's a good guy. I like him. He's a good friend. In, infancy stage of knowing, um, you know, Fulton Sheen. So, uh, so please mark it on your calendar. So Father, yes, if you could do a closing prayer, that would be fantastic. Sure. Thank you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we just thank you profoundly from the bottom of our hearts for this wonderful and fruitful, beautiful time, which is it has been truly an encounter with you. Jesus, we know that you love us so much. Words cannot tell us how much you love us. We just open our hearts to your grace, to your love, to your light, your peace, your consolation, and any darkness we may feel, Lord, in this time of Advent. We just open our hearts to your, your grace, like the light of the sun, uh, to shine that light, that peace, that joy upon us, and help us to have those hearts that are ready, that are surrendered to you more and more each day. I mean, you generously shower with your greatest blessings, all those who have joined us today and who are here right now. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. That was like so beautiful. It was like heaven sent. They do win more. They do it all. Okay, so thank you, Father. Um, just a very, very fruitful, powerful afternoon. Thank you. Um, and thank you to all of you who, who've joined us. Remember, we're Mark next week on your calendar. And uh, tell your friends about Midday Moms. Google it, Midday Moms. Like and subscribe to our channel. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Well, well, well. Bye now.